Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome to a special episode of TV Gold. It's upfront season in the Australian TV industry, and um, we're going to start a series of podcasts speaking with the people who make all those programming and commissioning decisions at the various networks. Nine has been first up with their upfront for the first couple of years, so that's where we're starting this time. Andrew Mercado's back with me again, and we'll be speaking with Hamish Turner, the Director of Programming at Nine Now and Nine. Hey, Michelle, welcome back to the Media Week microphone. I guess Andrew and I often, we don't sell ourselves, but people see us as sort of amateur programmers, so it's good to get a real one on. (laughs) Thanks for having me, James, and uh, good to see you, Andrew. Um, Look, I think anyone who loves TV is a bit of an amateur programmer, and so the great thing about TV and content is that everyone has a personal opinion. It's the great great evener, and I think... uh, you know, everyone loves to give their opinion to a programmer. Um, <laughs> I think the one thing is, it, it, you know, because they are personal, it always comes with a bit of an agenda. So, but I love to hear it all. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you're both uh, well positioned to have, um, you know, a, a very good view on that. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you first about some stuff I've been reading in Media Week today. So I've been going through all the list of all the shows for nine, but reading what some of the advertising companies were saying about your uh, upfronts, there are a couple of things there that I kind of picked up on. So someone was talking about nine now and i saw the words doing something about ad clutter and adding a start over option so can you explain to me what's happening on nine now around that yeah absolutely i mean i think in its most simplistic form uh nine now was built as a catch-up service and so back into the in the day the technology or the stack that was built on was really only there to service catch up from our linear offering so you know Back in the day, you uh, turn on your terrestrial TV, um, and uh, if you miss the show, um, you know you go to Nine Now to catch up. What we've done there is to really try and rebuild the platform to deliver live, um, and really make that uh, the front and center of uh, the experience. Obviously, within a kind of closed terrestrial world where you're confined by the amount of spectrum you have. Uh, there's only so much you can do in that environment, and that goes even towards you know having all your channels in HD. Uh, whereas in digital, there's no barrier to entry, but there's also no um, restrictions around you know things like spectrum. So you can have every every stream you have in HD. Uh, you can have unlimited number of channels if required. Um, you can start playing with that great user into uh, experience and UX. And so what we've been slowly working on is ensuring that. You know, in 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 effect, when you go to Nine Now, you get a better user experience, or have at least have the utility to have a better user experience than that of broadcast. Um, and so, to touch on that point, Andrew, some of the things we've done is we've turned all our streams into HD streams, so all the multis, so Go Live, Jam Rush, uh, are in HD. Nine yeah. is obviously in HD, uh, fifty frames per second, one eighty p. We've brought in this function called the start over functionality, which means that if you come into a show late, you can hit the start over and it takes you back to the beginning of the show. And look, this is really um, the beginning of, I think, of our digital journey in ensuring that 
you know, we really enhance that user experience and give our audience control, but also utility of their experience and effectively make it as good an experience as possible. Well, hey, what, what do you mean by when you say ad clutter? Sorry, just to stay on this because my absolute pet hate <laughs> yeah. uh, the catch-up services is going to ad breaks where there's no ads and, you know, tends to launch Pluto TV and the shows are running and you sit there for t- two minutes of dead air with a, a logo saying we'll be back in a minute. Uh, my thing yeah. is... I'm okay to watch ads on free-to-air catch-up service. I'm okay to watch ads. What I don't want to see is the same ad a hundred times during a show, ads being repeated three times in the same break, and breaks with no ads, but just, oh, one day we're going to fill this up with an ad. So what does ad clutter mean for you? Okay, so we uh, have been well aware of some of the issues that have been on, I would say, competitor platforms uh, because I would – well, I know – the nine now experience is different. We do not have a holding board. So in the bot experience, so catch up experience, you're only served uh, a number of ads uh, that um, they're available at that point in time. Uh, obviously that's capped. And then we have frequency capping to ensure that you don't receive the same ad five times um, within your viewing session. In fact, I think we cap it at two per hour. Um, you won't get a holding board. So one of my pet frustrations and as it from a from a user experience, I hate going to dead air. Yeah. Um there was a suggestion at one point where, you know, and you see it on KO as well, uh, when there's no ads to serve, it just goes up to a banner and it's it's dead silent and it actually breaks that viewing experience. Yeah. Um and so it, that doesn't exist on nine now. Um, I think where we're going in terms of starting to see a greater proliferation of fast channels is really starting to be um, more more specific around the type of ad load we see in those environments uh, and more tailored in those environments. So you will see less ads in a fast environment. So instead of the old broadcast model of three and a half per ad break, uh, I think the maximum you'll probably see is two per ad break. And so, you know, it's easy to say from the outset, there is quite a lot of tech involved. And one of the challenges uh, which SBODs haven't to date had to deal with, obviously they're now increasing uh, the amount of ads they're seeing on those, their platforms, is um, is how ad tech and content kind of come together and making that as seamless an experience as possible without those friction points that you've just alluded to, Andrew. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, I might just stay on nine now because Andrew's sort of raised it. The Speaking to Mike Sneesby after your results, um, probably only a couple of weeks ago, he talked about the strategy for for Nine Now, and I guess it evolves as you learn more about the audience. He he talked a little bit, as you mentioned, that it's, it's very much viewers are using it for for watching live. Um, does that impact the way you're buying now? Because I think in the past you used to buy content, maybe that that almost was exclusively for nine now is that less of a thing now yeah i think part of the quarter of the strategy james is and why we're seeing this increase in live is clearly as people um uh trans well they go from a terrestrial experience to an ip delivered experience and we see this essentially with the, the rise and rise of connected tvs um you know the these digital experiences are now in the bedroom and in, in the lounge room um and so it's really a convergence piece and so what we're seeing and, and and what we're working on is ensuring that as you take an audience from a terrestrial environment so one which is delivered by the rabbit ears to one which is uh, a connected environment 
um, that A, all the free-to-airs are easy to find, and you will probably have read around this prominence piece that we've been um, discussing and is currently in discussion with with um, with uh, the Labor government, and you know that we're working on that uh, at the moment to ensure that all free to air services are available, but are not just available but are prominent on the home screen. Um, meaning that Australian free content with no barrier to entry is available to all Australians now and into the future. Um, and and I think the live part is as we transition from terrestrial to digital. Um, that uh, we take that audience on that journey. I think what you see often now in a connected TV um, operating system or on hardware like Samsung, as an example, uh, they've got their own live experience, which doesn't include FTAs on it. Um, and it looks and feels like, you know, terrestrial free-to-air, but actually what is the collection of usually single-branded um, channels, uh, likes of Baywatch, you know, um, uh, just shoot me, et cetera. Um, and you can drop into that environment and not even realize your environment. And, and, and actually, the ability to go and find free to wear in a live environment is, is becoming harder. Uh, and so I think for us, the real focus on maintaining that live audience and, and, and helping that audience transition into a digital environment, which is clearly where the future lies. You know, at the core of our strategy is setting ourselves up for a streaming first future. Um, but everything that is old is new again, and live is very much core to that that strategy. So, I don't think it means we walk away from, you know, buying um, more content that that may help build about that experience. Right. Um, but I don't think we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater either. Okay. Are some Stan original dramas getting an airing on Nine and Nine now? Did I see that as part of it? Yeah, so Love Triangle uh, was the first that we've done that with. So it launched on nine on Tuesday night at nine forty on the back of the hundred. Um, now it was season one, which launched on stand last year. Um, it's really a promotional window to drive audience into you know Stan's launch of season two, which is on October fifth. Yeah. Um, and look, it's it's a really interesting um, experiment for us. I mean, I say experiment, but it I think it does give a bit of an indication of where we might want to go to. Now, it may not be that we always use linear as a driver. It may be that we start integrating Stan's offering more into the Nine Now platform and use that platform to drive audience into a subs environment. Um, so I think what you will definitely see is um, – a more pronounced uh, integration of well, cross-pollination of brands on our owned and operated platforms. Would that mean, though, that people, if they miss a Stan original drama, they they will get to see it eventually online? No, I don't think we're going to have hard rules in play where, you know, we homogenise that offering. I think if it makes sense for the linear offering, uh, but also makes sense to Stan, then uh, we'd look at some of those opportunities. But it's not like a blanket rule that, you know, um, if it's on Stan, it'll necessarily find a window on nine and vice versa. But we're, I think what we're moving into is a world where we're more open to, you know, experimenting with ways in which we can help drive audience across our owned and operated um, ecosystem. Um, and I think that probably talks to, the broader strategy that was on display on Wednesday night when we talked about the Olympics and the Paralympics, you know, and I think that the power of a business like Nine uh, with its portfolio of assets is the ability to 
not only touch 98% of the Australian population, um, deliver unique content to that population, but also deliver something like the Olympics and the Paralympics in a very unique way for that kind of broad audience. Um, and then how we bring that to life through those assets, um, I think is where there'll be a real game changer, not only for Paris, but as we move kind of into the future um, and into 2032. I mean, if you think about, you know, generative AI and where that will be in nine years' time, you know, I think um, our minds will all be blown as to what that experience could could look like. <laughs> so two new Aussie dramas are listed for 2024, Blood on the Tracks, plat the Platform Killer and Human Error, both of them true crime. Um, there was no cast announced for Human Error, but there was a giant photo that went with it. And, and I could see Steve Peacock in there. And look, I'd be all for Steve. Steve Peacock might start a new record if he is in a drama on nine next year and he's back in RFDS on seven, five bedrooms on 10, more cool. new reader on ABC. He'll be across four networks in dramas, which would be an incredible record for him to hold. But your dramas are a very true crime based now on nine. Does that mean that you're doing the, the different dramas outside of that genre probably uh, have more of a chance on stand these days? Uh, look, I do think we look at our drama portfolio across all platforms. So you're absolutely right. Um, the what we will commission for a a nine linear audience is very different to that with which Stan will um, look for their platform. Um, but we do work very closely. Obviously, we we worked on Bali um, and Scrublands. So it was um, you know uh, commissions that 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 was from nine working with Stan. Uh, um, and I think, you know, that, that that's a great partnership. Um, they are different audiences. As you know, the, the viewing experience is different when you do insert ads into dramas. And so I think, you know, we just, we, we approach um, each of these projects with a very different kind of lens as to who that audience is and what that viewing experience looks like. But I would say that in terms of drama as a category, and I know Free to Air has come under you know, a lot of criticism in terms of its drama output in the recent years. But if you look at Nine as a business, I don't think we've ever had a stronger output in terms of our drama offering. Um, if you look at, obviously, what was up, up there with Stan on um, on Wednesday night. Um, so true crime, yes. I mean, we did have Warnie this year, so uh, less, less true crime uh, through that lens. But, yeah, no, you're right. Steve Peacock is... Um, I think we announced we've already announced the cast um, for it. So the one we haven't announced is the Platform Killer. So that's um, currently in development um, and will be on the screen uh, next year. But uh, yes, yeah, Steve, I'm looking forward to the newsreader on um, Sunday night. It's, uh, it's a cracking first series. I was born in the late seventies, so getting to experience all the eighties and uh, those big events through eighty six, eighty seven was was great to see. Uh, so I guess we're getting what the um, bicentennial probably this time around, and then oh yeah, that's upwards. coming. Are we hitting the nineties yet, or is it? Uh... I don't think so. I think we're stuck in the eighties there, but yeah, I think you'll love it. We've just been talking about it. It's it's a great second season. No, it's 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 everything that's great about. I just I just love you know that kind of retro retro drama and hitting those big events that you remember at the time, and you know yeah. um, the fashion. Uh, the inappropriateness, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all those things.
Hamish, that um, the newsreader is probably getting a total TV audience well over a million, maybe towards 1.5. Yep. Why has commercial TV, I, I say give up, but it's probably the wrong word, but backed off from, from drama commissions and, and pretty much leaving it to streaming platforms, the ABC, and to a lesser extent, maybe SBS? Um, I think it's twofold. One is, you know, benign, as I said, we are a, a broad business that has, you know, um, multiple entrants into the kind of premium um, TV space. And so we don't think of how we commission things in isolation. Um, and so I think in terms of where you get the best return and also where that product best sits, uh, you know, it's better to say that within the SPOD environment, um, you know, that's where the majority of drama is being made. And I think from a free-to-air perspective, if you think about what our point of difference is, and I'm talking about a commercial free-to-air uh, environment, um, you know, the SPODs went really hard into drama. Uh, that's where the likes of Netflix kind of really um, started, you know, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, um, and I think that kind of set us on a course where, you know, any drama offering was being really diluted. If you think about that competition base, as more and more people would get, were, you know, at least going into that world of S5, it became harder and harder to find an audience. Now, I absolutely take on board that something like the newsreader uh, does a big total TV audience, but it also doesn't have any ad breaks either. So, um, I think I think it's sitting on a bit of a different playing field as well. Uh, probably haven't really answered your question, but I think twofold. One is drama is expensive, um, and secondly, um, you know where the competition sat, and we saw that kind of uh, fragmentation of audience, and especially within what was being offered from an Esport perspective. With the Olympics, the official press release said that the 2024 Olympics would be the most innovative and engaging coverage. When it got to the Paralympics, it said the most extensive coverage. And I'm just trying to figure out why you wouldn't be saying this is the most extensive coverage of an Olympics, given there are 40 channels going to be streaming on nine now. That seems like uh, this could well be the most extensive coverage we've had of the Olympics too. Well, yeah, you're right, Andrew. I think probably it comes down to the craft of a press release and wanting to use uh, a variety of different words in it. It's probably, you know, without repeating oneself, to be brutally honest. Um, but uh, if you caught the presentation um, in terms of the kind of technology that's being brought to the table, uh, it's pretty impressive. I mean, even a jaded old TV exec like myself, when I saw, uh, I think it's called the Strands, I didn't pronounce the thing, stranscopic, uh, slow slow, pl uh, slow replays, but also um, where we are broadcasting out of, um, I think you're, you're effectively using, um, uh, what's it called? Um, oh, God. Uh, what is it called? Um, augmented, it's augmented reality, effectively. Uh -huh. uh, uh, it's fairly mind-blowing what they can do these days. Um, and I think the way that it will be presented uh, will absolutely blow people's minds. And that's what I say, like looking forward to 2032, 
you know, the possibilities um, with what that presentation may look like is mind-boggling. I think for the Paralympics, you know, it will be on um, primary on the primary channel, uh, and I think that's a real commitment from the from the business, as rightly should be for the Paralympics. I mean, Curtis Marshall up on stage, like amazing. He was he, he, what he he's talked about his story and how in 2012 he stepped on a landmine and joked to the uh, the medivac people that maybe Paralympics was in was was where he needed to go, uh, and he got up on stage and you could just see uh what it meant to him and 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 just to be and to be seen as an equal to an olympian um and i think you know he he absolutely delivered on on every aspect um i think the exciting thing about the paralympics is for us as storytellers bringing those stories to a broader audience um and really getting them engaged um with the with the paralympics in, in i think it's september next year Hamish, on, on the Olympics, it's um, they're going to be held just before your upfronts next year, but it'll be a very critical platform for you to promote, I guess, shows for at least in the next 12 months, if not the mm. next two years. Um, could there be, will there be things we don't know about that you'll commission between now and then you think that you'll be promoting? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because, Pulling off something like an upfront uh, is very time-consuming, especially for our in-house creative teams. And so um, I think we have pushed the upfront season earlier and earlier and earlier uh, every year. Um, now, next year, it comes with some added challenges in that you have the Olympics in July and August, and then you have the Paralympics I think bang in this period now. Hmm. So I think there could be an argument that actually the upfronts would 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 actually go at a later time next year, which should solve exactly what you've just uh, elicited. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, the summit coming back for a second series, and great to see Jai Courtney returning as host as well. Um, going to New Zealand is that the same mountain they climbed last year? Was was the summit the first series of that was uh, was that a New Zealand mountain or? Was it somewhere else? Yeah, it, was a, it was a New Zealand mountain. So last year when we announced the summit, the sh it hadn't been shot. And so the footage you saw was stock footage of people on mountains. Uh, plus, I think we'd sent a bit, the ESA team had sent a bit of a recce out there to get a couple of um, 4K shots as well. This year, the footage we used was from last season. Um, and so we're currently in development for what the second season looks like, obviously, with with paper formats, uh, which the summit was, and was has, was commissioned off a paper format, you know, we'll look at how creatively that evolves into a second series. Um, but as promised on uh, Wednesday, it is a new mountain. Um, but uh, I think the next month is going to be really critical in terms of working out exactly where that mountain is, uh, which mountain it is, and um, what those kind of creative uh changes to the shows are based on what was learned from season one mm. hey, Mish, we've talked a little bit about streaming and 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 their their business models how they're impacting what you do and of course you you've got a streamer in in-house of course with stan but the um it must be fascinating where you sit watching the that they're changing business models particularly out of the us where it seemed to be look we we're going to throw all our <laughs> all, we're going to throw everything into streaming we think it's going to be it's going to save it's going to save our industry we'll make a lot of money out of it 
We'll generate mm. lots of content and we'll keep all that content for ourselves. But that's changing now and they're starting to still make maybe content for themselves. Then they seem to be offering that to the wider market, um, either after a, a window or in international markets. I mean, I think you you bought Lux listings off um, Prime Video. Is that right? To talk to us that's a right. little bit about how that's all changing and what that yeah. means for, for Nine. I think uh, what became very clear during the LA screenings this year was that the era of disruption um, had hit reality uh, and that the free spending that you'd seen in that environment <clears throat> over the last kind of five years hit a wall, and that wall is usually Wall Street. Um, <laughs> and I think what happened was they had to rationalise you know, their spend uh, because what had happened, they disrupted the markets, absolutely, but they'd also disrupted their own revenue lines. And so a lot of these direct-to-consumer uh, platforms had obviously held content back from the market, but a lot of the revenue that they'd written uh, historically had been, you know, selling their content to, you know, uh, third-party platforms. Um, and so the likes of Warner Brothers, Disney, et cetera, uh, you know, just weren't as profitable as they used to be. So they've done a good job in disrupting. They've done a good job in terms of launching these direct-to-consumer products with innovative tech and UX, um, but they weren't making as much money. And so I think what you've seen is, you know, a bit of a pivot in terms of how they approach the market, um, the amount of content that they keep behind a paywall versus that in which they sell. We've also seen a big shift in terms of new and emerging um, rights becoming available, like fast rights. Um, and so, you know, uh, as, as is required, you need to continue to evolve, um, your, uh, your business model. Um, uh, you know, and ultimately they are commercial business models, uh, and they, at the end of the day, need to be profitable. Um, and there aren't many profitable streaming platforms, uh, across the world. Um, so it, it is a challenge. Uh, I think the good thing is if you're a big, broad business with m multiple arms, um, you can pivot and then finesse that um, <clears throat> and work out what the best model is. But as you know, it's fluid and always evolving. So what makes sense today may not make sense tomorrow, but um, yeah, it's an interesting space to watch. I just, I think they're not going to be spending as much money on content moving forward. Uh, the US writer's strike is going to be a real moment in time because I think uh, the reason there hasn't been a resolution is probably goes a little bit deeper than just the current rights that they're discussing. Um, I think we're, it's going to be a really interesting next 12 months for all those platforms where you're not going to see both those those that product that came to market um, available on those platforms because they've been delayed through the writer's strike and plus the number of commissioning commissions coming out of them will be uh, reduced as well. Uh, so, again, that provides opportunity for other players. Um, and the great thing for Australian businesses and Australia's media company is you create your own content. I think, you know, both of you will remember a day when Nine was chock-a-block with uh, US drama. Um, thankfully, we're not entering a period of the writer's strike where that, that was still the case. Um, I think who's going to come under pressure is the the streamers um who haven't really diversified their offering beyond that of um premium drama you might want to take this next one as a comment rather than a question but the recent grimshaw project for 2024 i mean it's got to be an interview show Hamish. she's the best interviewer in australia i mean we're not going to see her you know hosting a, another with the weakest link or anything like that are we we're going to play to tracy's strengths yeah 
We, we absolutely play to stretch uh, Tracy's strengths. In fact, we would have no choice in that matter. I mean, Tracy <laughs> will choose to play to change Tracy's strengths. Um, and uh, look, we to get that announced out on Wednesday, you know, we're going up to the line with it. So I think over the coming months, uh, more will emerge around what that project initially is. Um, obviously, we want it to be befitting of someone of, 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 of Tracy's stature and experience. Um, and then, you know, I think we'll be looking at other opportunities as well. So uh, she's an absolute force. Um, um, and we're so just so proud to have her back on nine in 2024. So just clarifying that, so there could be more than one Tracy project we you alluded Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, fascinating. Um, I, I wanted to ask, it's good to see Lisa McCoon back on air and Andrew and I both enjoy her work, but sadly it's not in a drama. Um, with, is there any part of that contract she's got with Nine says, look, we'll give you this reality show, but we want you in a drama as well? No, no contract per se, but, um, you know, uh, she does a great job in the Garden Hustle and, um, you know, uh, she's an icon of Australian television and, you know, I think um, I think there will be a time where I think there'll be the right project for her that maybe sits in that space and, you know, she jumps on board. How are you going to explain the premise of Jeopardy to Australian viewers? You've got a new series of the show hosted by Stephen Fry filmed in London. You know, one of the problems 10 had when they tried to do a local version of it with Tony Barber is, you know, the audience couldn't understand the concept of Jeopardy is that you have to put the question into the answer. And yeah, that's yeah. to confuse Australians. So are you, you going to have to do a, some major education on the audience to get Stephen Fry's version into homes? Well, look, I think uh, SBS is doing a bit of work in the background for us because they've got, got uh, Jeopardy, the US version running, I think it's uh, daytime. So um look i think pointless probably fell into the same traps uh i remember you guys well you guys will remember when um 10 brought that to to the daytime uh we actually picked up the uk version and, and couple it with uh tipping point and it does a great job for us um i think uh to answer the question um i think we probably underestimate australia's ability to understand the concept and i think maybe being able to just be playful in, in how you bring that in but also acknowledging that that was an issue previously, uh, but be smart in the way that um, you you promote it, and and possibly that's that's part of how you promote it. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. Try and help the help help the confusion. <laughs> yeah, find the life. <laughs> Just a couple more quick things before we let you go, Hamish. I want to ask about commissioning, and um, you, you talked about how you know, streaming platforms went very hard into drama initially, and that's, mm. there's still, you know, significant players in that space. But do you, do you, is your message to production companies that you still want to see pitches for everything that, that, you know, you're still a buyer or, or, or are you worried that, that you know, you don't get to see some things because they might assume nine won't be interested? Yeah, it's a really good question, James. I think um, I think good uh, good creators um, understand the, their show and the audience. Um, and look, there are shows that people definitely will not pitch to the Nine Network because uh, it doesn't make sense in terms of that audience composition. Having said that, again, we are a really big, broad business, and so something that may not make sense for the Nine team 
we will quickly direct them in the in, put them in the direction of, of Stan. And so, an example of that was the tourists came across our desk. Uh, we saw great value in 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 in, in it, uh, and then put uh, them in contact with Stan. And you know, we 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 know how that ended. So, um, I think again, and you know, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's not a boast, but it's that when you have different arms that talk to different audiences and different ways to get to those audiences, then um, I think it opens up the, the options for producers and, and how they engage with us as a, as a broader business. I've got no more questions, James, but I'm going to, be, I'm going to have a look on Nine Now. In a, well, how, when should I start looking at Nine Now to check out the new start over options and all of so, that? Now? So that is that is available now. Um, I would direct you. So there's there's also the new infrastructure, so the new immersive light. So if you go onto your mobile, go onto desktop. That is the best way to view that. Okay. Um, connected TV will roll out from October. Um, but start over is available on all those platforms now. As you know, nine now uh, there's about twenty different versions of it, depending on you have to actually create individual versions for every single operating system, every single platform. There's an Android version, an iOS version, so your experience will be different depending on what your TV is, uh, what platform you're watching on. But if you want to, if you want to get the best experience or the current experience. Uh, I will go onto your mobile or I will go onto your desktop and uh, tap in ninenow.com.au. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> very, very, very final quick one from me. Just, I mean, Andrew and I try and watch a lot of TV, keep, a, keep across different things. How is it for you? And you, I guess you're in a similar position, but you've got to do a lot more. You need to keep on top of reality and um, lifestyle. And have you got any tips? What any sort of insider info about um, how you can judge TV quickly? Um, well, it's interesting because not only are you consuming content that's on air, you're consuming content that is pre-TX in kind of edit form, and then you're also um, analysing content that's coming across your desk for kind of future commissions. Yeah. Um, I think I've been here for 20 years. I would say that the type of content I liked when I, I joined Nine versus what I kind of consume today has shifted quite significantly. Um, and I think I think the other thing is that you've got to have a really broad interest base. So you know, if you're if you're analysing a piece of content, you need to look at it through the lens of everything that's out there. Um, and so, a like you guys, you've got to love it. You've got to love consuming content. You've got to love everything about it. You've got to be a bit of a kind of um, uh, pop cultural whore, really, <laughs> which is which is absolutely what I am. Um, and so I think for me, it's, it's, it's trying everything. Uh, and, but most importantly, not trying to analyze it. You actually want to view it emotionally and sit back and consume as, you know, our audience consumes on a couch, possibly with kids running around, um, possibly making the dinner. Uh, cause I, sometimes I think people will come to a piece of content and not view it in the environment with which most people watch content. That's probably my only piece of advice. But if you love it, then, you know, that, that goes a long way. Um, and, you know, at its core and what, what content does is it sparks your emotions. It, 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 it kind of engages you at a deeper level. 
it makes you think, it challenges you. And and I think a really good piece of content will do all those things and ultimately touch you in an emotional way. Amish, do you watch Morning Wars? Because that conversation you and James had just then about the streamer and all that, that's a major plot line for Billy Crudup in the, the season of Morning Wars, which is dropping this week. Um, I do watch Morning Wars. I haven't seen anything from season three, um, but I look forward to having a look at that based on what you've just told me. Yeah, you're, <laughs> I've got you're, one more question for you guys, and I know I'm, I'm flipping the – what are you guys watching at the moment? Um, well, we talked this week about uh, Morning Wars and um, and uh, the newsreader, which we both love. Um, there's a little sitcom on Binge and Foxtel called The Lovers. It's more a rom-con, really. And I guess, Andrew, yeah. one of the – one of the things we've really enjoyed recently was what was that um, the British drama about the um, oh the sixth commandment the sixth commandment wow yeah outstanding yeah sixth commandment I will watch that this weekend yeah, yeah. and you know I, I, you know we love our British TV here of course we try and watch everything Australian I'm going through one night at the moment now on yep. Paramount Plus and all of that but. Uh, yeah, it's always a drama first for me. I'll always watch a drama before anything else. But I also like a good comedy along the way too because so much of the drama these days is heavy. You need to have yeah. that light touch before you go to sleep at night so you don't have nightmares. Well, that's why Colin from Accounts was so good because it yeah. went into that really domestic sensibility, um, didn't take itself too seriously, but at its core had a bit of heart to it as well. So... Um, it was refreshing on the landscape, that's for sure. Yeah. Special Ops Lioness is another one I've uh, really enjoyed. I think it just wrapped this week on Paramount Plus, um, The which sort of just reminds me too, does, we could you be buying things that have done very well on streaming platforms? Or Who made um, Special Ops? It was um, – uh, uh, I can't remember. Oh, the BBC. Huh? You mean Prime, Lioness on Prime? Yeah, Lioness Special Ops. Um, he did uh, 1923. Um, yeah, Paramount. Yeah, yeah pa- Paramount. 1886, was it? Kevin, the Kevin Costner that. show, which I can't remember. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I think to, to your question before, it's – the, the dynamics are changing and so what was never yeah. available or what you thought was never going to be available all of a sudden pops up and so um, I think the thing is now you ask every question, yeah. is it available, when can it be available, what does that window look like, you know, where are the holdbacks um, and as I said before, there's new opportunities in terms of rights and categories and, and you just work with, you know, those confines and, and work out what makes sense in terms of your business and you know your audience. So um, I think if you asked me two years ago, there was there was roadblocks up everywhere, and they all seem to be getting cleared. Yeah, like Yellowstone was the show I was grappling yeah. with. Oh, you were doing Yellowstone? Yeah, it was on yeah. stand. Well, on of stand. course. Well, that's why I was asking. I know I think it's going on free to air in the US now. Any chance could that show up free to air here, or do you think Ten might have first bid on that? Uh, no, I think it'll it'll be on stand for the season. This is the first. Oh, sorry, it's the final. Season yeah. five, I think, um, yeah. and hence why they're doing every well the prequels and the and the sequels currently. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I didn't feel like that the the sequel kind of really went anywhere. It kind of felt like you spent the whole first season building up to this moment in time, which was then really the launch pad for where the season was going to go. Anyway, 
Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. the uh, maybe that was the fact he had a five season plan. So sure. All good. All right, Hamish, look, we'll wrap it up there. Hamish Turner, director of programming at nine and nine now. Really appreciate your time joining us on this special episode of TV Gold. Great to chat to you both, as always, and uh, look forward to seeing you both soon. Thanks. 